I'm Laura Rumbly, and this is the EAIE podcast. Welcome to number 12 in our series. It's February 2021, and one of the biggest international education stories of this month comes to us out of the UK and in the form of the Turing Scheme. As many of you will know, the Turing Scheme is the UK government-sponsored program supporting overseas work and study experiences for UK students. With the UK out of the European Union and no longer participating in the Erasmus Plus program, the unveiling of the Turing Scheme is an important and eagerly awaited new development for UK students and higher education institutions. We're sure to hear a lot about Turing in the coming weeks and months as the program launches. UK stakeholders will be feeling their way forward as they get to know this new scheme, and international education professionals and higher education institutions across the rest of Europe will also be busily working out what the post-Erasmus Plus era will mean for their connections to the UK. Of course, the UK isn't the only country that's been forced to adapt to a post-Erasmus reality. Six years ago, Switzerland was dropped from the Erasmus Plus program and needed to develop new mechanisms to support international student exchange. All of which brings us to this episode's conversation with Robert Buttery. Robert Buttery is originally from the UK, but lives and works in Basel, Switzerland, where he serves as head of international relations at the University of Applied Sciences and Arts, Northwestern Switzerland. His connections to both Swiss and UK culture and national realities give him a particularly interesting perspective on what touring has to offer, where it may experience challenges, and what the road ahead may entail as the UK adjusts to a new framework for supporting student mobility. So first things first, I actually just wanted to check in with you a little bit on a personal level. You're sitting there in the lovely city of Basel. Uh, How long have you been there in, in Basel and in Switzerland more generally, Robert? I've been in the region, Laura, for over 20 years. I originally came uh, to live in Basel. I studied at the University of Basel. I moved across the border into Elsass, which is the neighboring French region, where I lived for 10 years, then moved back into Switzerland. So it's, it's quite a long, complicated story. You have, a lot of, you have quite a number of years in the region then and uh, quite a bit of time in Switzerland specifically. Just curious about the way that you think of yourself or maybe label, label yourself at this stage based on that history. Do you consider yourself to be bicultural or binational or neither of those things or something different? I think the answer to that, Laura, is neither of those things. I, I think of myself as multi-layered. I've lived in several different countries in Europe. Uh, I grew up in the UK. My education was in the UK. So of course, I'm very British in that sense that I don't think you ever lose. However, I then spent a considerable time in Spain. I've lived in France and of course in Switzerland. So I've picked up many, many different things on the way. I hope the good things, you know, it's a bit like shopping for a recipe. You try to pick out the good things so you have a good meal at the end. So I hope that answers your question. Yes, it's, it, um, it does, it's multi-layered. Yes, I don't actually know myself. Well, I think that uh, many of us in the field feel that way. You've had those experiences of living and working in, in quite a number of different places. And it's ultimately, I think we all feel it's, it's enriching and that we are picking up the best that we can along the way. So no matter how you label yourself, I have to say that you and Switzerland and the UK have been on my mind in the last couple of months as Brexit uh, came to its final resting place at the end of 2020. Switzerland and now the UK are non-EU countries, of course. And back in 2018, you wrote a very nice essay for the EAIE's Conference Conversation Starter essay series, 
in which you drew some possible parallels between Switzerland's outsider relationship with the EU and what might be coming down the line for the UK as Brexit progressed. So here we are now in 2021, the UK has left the EU and the Erasmus Plus program, and the UK government has now just this month unveiled the specifics of its new touring program. I was wondering, from your perspective, what you think the UK has gotten right with this new initiative, and where do you feel it has perhaps missed the mark? Yeah, that's a very interesting question, isn't it, Laura? And also a complex one. I think um, the difference I, I think I'd like to point out, first of all, is that the UK has had quite a long time to think about this. It's had four years plus. Uh, in Switzerland, the plug was pulled on us in three days, which I'll, I think I'll explain later on. But let's go to look at the overall implications of the Turing scheme. I think it's positive. Uh, I think we have to review it in that way. These policy decisions are very difficult to make. Uh, if I go for a few points from the Turing scheme, I see what is positive is outbound mobility uh, will be financed, global outbound mobility, so it's beyond Europe. I think that's good. I think also there is a focus on vocational training, which is very important to rebuild our economies. It's in line with, of course, with this idea of global Britain, a global outreach, you can either agree or disagree with that. I think a principle is good that a country is opening its ideas to trade and exchange with around the world. So that's positive. What I really like about the scheme is it is uh, on the principle of widening participation. That means for students who normally would not have the luxury to be able to go to another country, do study abroad or uh, vocational training abroad. That for me is very close to my heart, coming from a less advantaged background. So widening that up. I do have to say there is very limited funding for this, but it's a move in the right direction. So good. Um, I think what is, again, while we're in still, um, I would say, a transition period, because most of our UK university partners still have Erasmus funding around, which we hope they'll be able to use uh, for 23, up till the 23. So that may be good. Um, downside of any scheme, I think our own included in Switzerland is limited funding. We don't have a bottomless pit. Uh, yes. Um, also, we have to have to be very mindful, we are using taxpayers money. So I mean, again, this is something which we do have to be very careful in international education, who is financing this? And how are we accountable to taxpayers? Because of course, international education has been perceived for many years, for sometimes valid reasons, as uh, a domain of the, the very few privileged people. So, okay, I think we do have to be mindful there. I think it may be interesting who actually gets the funding. I'm not so familiar with the UK system, uh, the committee system. So, I mean, that may be in any country, which university has access, which groups have access. So, I think we'll be wiser as we go down the line. I think a very a point of concern for me would be the reciprocity question. Uh, this is what international education works on. This is what international trade works on. So again, I think that is missing. I think it will cause a headache to many of our colleagues across Europe. How do we figure this out? Um, yes, we can perhaps have UK students coming to our countries, but we can't send students to UK under the same conditions. So that I think 
is going to be an issue. Also, another one is mobility is not just about students, it's about everyone, staff, faculty. And I think that, again, is critical for what we do in international education. We have to everyone, uh, students, staff, faculty, and beyond. So I think those are the perhaps the shortfall uh, shortcomings in, in the Turing scheme. But my bottom line for me is it's better than nothing. Uh, I'm very also mindful of my colleagues in the UK. Any system that we introduce is going to produce many headaches. Uh, this is going to be one of them. It's finding our way, navigating through you know, very choppy waters, and I think just finding what we can uh, make, the make the best out of it. So I think that's, that's how I perceive it. Super helpful perspectives. I think, you know, uh, the points you're raising about this is this is something and this is something that has merit is, is really important for us to note. And also the devil in the details and the implementation processes. Always tricky, you know, to roll out something big and new and ambitious, uh, and especially in the wake of, of a, quite a vacuum that I think people have perceived was created by the exit from Erasmus+. I think there, Laura, also, it's a, it is a sigh of relief that we've got something in place. And probably there's nothing much worse than uncertainty. Uh, we don't have crystal balls, we can't figure out, but now we do have something to work with. So let's see how we get on with it. Uh, we're always wiser afterwards, yeah. And uh, I would like to point out also that with um, the people involved in this in UK universities, they've done a marvellous job, British Council, the same as our national agency, Movica, who have uh, been taking care of the Swiss grant issues. They, these these um, uh, colleagues do absolutely amazing job and ob ob sometimes people don't thank them. Uh, we just say, oh, this system doesn't work, it's bureaucratic. They underpin what we're doing. So again, I think we do have to be very careful, uh, measured with our criticism and be positive in how we can make it happen and work. So you've mentioned we don't have crystal balls and we certainly don't, but we have hindsight and we have some other <laughs> examples that are out there. And of course, the Swiss example is the one that popped immediately to mind for me. Are there some specific lessons that you think UK institutions and international education professionals could take from the Swiss experience? Because indeed in Switzerland, there has been a, quite a process of forging a different path, a unique path for international mobility and global engagement. Yeah, what can I say? I would say we need to be persistent. Uh, things change and they change from one day to the next. In our case in Switzerland, they changed in three days from having a referendum on uh, the immigration, um, allowing uh, EU workers into Switzerland, limiting them. The EU Commission retaliated in three days and kicked Switzerland out of um, the Erasmus Plus program. This for us was like, you now go into hyper mode. Okay, how are we going to get around this? We have no valid contracts. We're our partners. Fortunately for us, the, the Swiss parliament approved parallel funding uh, within three months. That for us, during that time, it seemed a very, very long three months. Uh, what we can learn from that is people in our profession came together uh, very, very well. And this was also in between lobbying, 
between putting the facts, this is what it means, not having uh, participating in a program. Uh, so I, I think that was fu a fundamental learning experience. Also, uh, never underestimating that we have friends uh, and colleagues who support us. That for us was very important with um, the contracts being in principle invalidated without any um, exception, all of our European partners said, we'll make this happen. We'll figure it out. And we did. I'm not saying it was easy. It was not. It was a, um, no, an, a, a prolonged nightmare. But we got there. I think um, other things is resilience. And that's what we are used to. That's something which I would say uh, we have learned from this. What we've also learned is evolution. Things take time. We were very, very lucky to have the Swiss European Mobility Programme put into place, again, by our national agency, Movicia, Swiss universities, the Swiss Research Council. Uh, so we had that in place and it wasn't perfect at the time. We had difficulties there. And this was now, how do we get used to a new system? What are the ins and outs, administration and, and, and. But we made it work. We kept the student mobility flow going. We kept the staff flow going. There were other things which, of course, we were excluded from, uh, participation in key action programs across Europe. So it was no touch and go, but I, I can say after six years, it has worked. We are getting there. What's exciting now in Switzerland, and I think, again, I want to encourage my UK colleagues, um, is that uh, uh, the Swiss European Mobility Programme is in evolution. It's developed. We had a, um, a conference meeting of, of, from Swiss universities this week. Uh, Movisha introduced new elements of the programme. So again, we have developed. We see that we will be able to increase our funding. This has been a long battle going on. We've also seen that Switzerland will now finance global mobility at a reduced level. But again, it's a very important first step. We have uh, new elements like a green initiative, which will encourage both students and staff to tra travel sustainably when possible, by which I mean take a train instead of take a plane. And I think that's an important signal and a very important step took a long while to get there. I think it also reflects uh, what is happening in the new Erasmus Plus program. What we also see is in the new call is staff mobility for a semester. So that's a new development. Again, increased cooperation problems. So what um, I, I think I, we can say here is evolution. We have to be patient. Uh, things take their time, but we will get there in the end and we are getting there. I really like that point of thinking that, you know, this is a moment in time, but there are many moments in time to come and lots of different ways that things can evolve. Uh, it is, is right. It's always difficult. I think this is often where um, we get very phased, very, very frustrated. We do have to take a step back, put it into that perspective. And I think that's important when we're looking at what do we learn from all this with Switzerland not being in Erasmus Plus and, and there are very active uh, dialogues now at the very top levels to get Switzerland back in Erasmus Plus. So um, UK, there is always hope. Yes, you never know. <laughs> uh, so again, there, there are lots of positive things going on. Takes time. So, you know, thinking about then that, that process of evolution, when you think about the UK's future beyond the EU and beyond Erasmus Plus, how would you characterize your sense of optimism or pessimism? 
I am the eternal optimist. However, it is going to be a challenge. That that's for sure. I think. I mean, yeah. It's it's terrible to say. I told you so. When you take this action, the consequences are such. But I hope that the UK will rejoin at some stage the EU. I, I hope. I hope it's not just a pipe dream. I think there is a possibility when we see which happened. I think the the difficulty here is the damage that has been done, and that is very clear. I think it's our job as international educators to, again, uh, be advocates of the positive side of cooperation, what it means, what it brings with clear facts and figures, impact studies, proving the whole time. It's like the, the tap dripping, isn't it? That's, we have our work cut out. And I think, again, I use the word persistence and resilience. Mm -hmm, that yes. is where we have to come from to get through the situation. And who knows? I mean, there's never, ever one size fits all a perfect solution. Who knows if the European Union will be there in 50 plus years. But what we can say is, be there or not, we still have to work together, full stop. And I think this is where international education is ideally placed. It's up to us. Last question for you then, Robert, but another forward thinking exercise. As you may know, the EAE's annual conference and exhibition theme in 2021 is Bolder, Braver, Go. I wonder what would be some of the bolder, braver developments that you'd like to see our field taking as you look toward the future. I'm going to adapt your question slightly, Laura, and I'm going to say I would like to see our younger colleagues emboldened in international education. I think we have so much experience, the old and wrinklies like me, uh, which we can pass on. And I think it's now we're in a stage where oh, in succession planning, where we have some amazing uh, younger colleagues, they need to take the baton up, go out, don't take no for an answer. Be persistent. I think also what I do uh, would like to see is more outreach. Again, we've been talking about this for many years in the EAIU, and I just want to see increasing the outreach. I think, again, what is critical for us is there are, uh, I think, uh, currently so many uh, skeptics around the world about the value of international education. I think this is where we really have to be bold and go to where no man or woman has ever gone before. Don't take no for an answer, we knock on doors. Uh, I think that is an intrinsic part of what we have been doing. I think we just need to be louder, more vocal, and be, uh, let's say, even better advocates in what we do. Robert, it is an endless delight to chat with you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. Thank you, Laura, it's my pleasure. And let's go for it. We're gonna make it happen, whatever comes, it's good. Brilliant. Thanks again. That was Robert Buttery, Head of International Relations at the University of Applied Sciences and Arts, Northwestern Switzerland, with reflections on the UK's new touring scheme, as well as Switzerland's own national program for mobility. If you're interested in learning more about the touring scheme, you may want to join the EAIE Community Moment webcast scheduled for February 26, 2021. On that date, we'll be speaking with Vivian Stern, the Director of Universities UK International, on this very topic. Links to other resources connected to touring, as well as Switzerland's own national mobility program, can also be found in the session notes for this episode. In other news, there's so much happening at the EAIE. 
A prime example of this, registration for the 2021 EAIE Community Summit is now open. Please join us on March 18th and 19th for a very interactive and engaging program where we'll be examining all kinds of angles on how we can create true impact in our everyday practice as international education professionals. These do remain challenging times for all of us, so our summit discussions about making an impact through our work come, I think, at a very timely moment to remind us about why we persevere to promote internationalization against great odds. The Community Summit is free for EAIE members, and non-members can join for a fee of 89 euros. You can find out more about the summit by visiting our website, www.eaie.org. In the meantime, thank you for listening to the EAE podcast. Please subscribe on your favorite listening app so you don't miss a single episode. Liking us and sharing us on social media are also greatly appreciated. As usual, we'll be delivering a new podcast episode in about two weeks' time. For now, all good wishes to you from the EAIE.